0: You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so that, well, you'll probably be doing something better this weekend anyway. Hi, I'm JR. Hello, I'm Lee. And I'm Mark. And just before we do anything else, I'd just like to say... Happy birthday to you.
1: Which lips are they coming from?
2: to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tom, what have you been playing? <laughs> <on your team?
1: laughs> Still going. <laughs> well mm. done. Yeah, happy birthday, who? Well,
0: that's my new ringtone sorted out. Yeah. So if everybody's got it, I can isolate that for you and send it to you just as an MP3 by itself, if you like. <laughs> if well. you
2: would, that would be lovely. Yeah, like that's
0: going to happen. Everybody, raise your glass. Hang on.
1: Oh, Here we go. Got mine.
0: Let's have some clinking. There you go. <clears throat> Happy birthday, Doctor Who. 50 years old. Unbelievable. Cheers. Either tomorrow or today or yesterday, depending on when you listen to this podcast, or last week, or a month ago. <laughs> or if you're catching up in 2017, four years ago. See what you did there. Or oh, in 10 years' time, 60th. Hey. Yes. In that
2: case, happy birthday, Doctor Who.
0: It's still current. <laughs> okay. Who would have thought
2: Timmy Mallett would have been the 20th Doctor? Unbelievable.
0: Um, Who would have thought Timmy Mallet would be the 20th Doctor, Mark? Was that a pun? Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, just for that, Mark, you've got 60 seconds oh, on it. the spot on the subject of... Oh, my eye has alighted on Galaxy 4. Oh that's evil. Um well, yeah but you're the one who's making not very funny jokes so it serves you absolutely right. I thought you to well. say 60
1: seconds on my little pony then. I don't know why.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's galaxy 4, what can you oh, say about Oh, it's a birthday it? podcast, Mark. 60 seconds mm. on my little pony starting <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, well, um yeah. <laughs> love
2: love my little pony. <laughs> <The> best ever. <laughs> Do you think you'd rather do Galaxy Four? Oh, that's it's a pretty tough call, actually. <laughs> do you not, not know anything? Do you not know anything whatsoever about My Little Pony? Uh, I know they're ponies and they're little. Actually, I don't know anything about My Little Pony. It's a bit, are different. Colors actually...
1: that is a bit like Galaxy Four, though, isn't it? Get back to your microphone, Lee. We can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say better. that that is a bit like Galaxy Four, though. My
0: Little Pony. Mm, yeah,
1: <laughs> lots of them.
0: Hmm. I don't really yeah. I thought or, the jumpies were quite cute.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, Mark, that's your sixty seconds up. Well, well thank done you very much. Excellent, good work. Uh we've got a bundle of emails. This is probably pretty much gonna be a feedback episode mm-hmm. and a birthday episode. Mm. If it's all a bit rough and ready so far, that's because we're just having a party. Yes. <laughs> we've been drinking heavily. I yes, I've had Five cups of
1: no, one, two, four cups of tea today. I've had a cup of soup with whiskey in it, which is what my nan used to give me.
2: I've got a what tin mean, of is What your nan
1: used to give me? You, how old is this cup of soup with whiskey <laughs> in it? <laughs> well, it's not that one, obviously. I'm keeping it for posterity. That'd be a bit weird. No, no, uh, no. We did. That's exactly what she used to do. We'd go around their house before watching Doctor Who, and she'd uh, stick a bit of brandy. Actually, was in uh, in tea when we were about 12. Not good. Uh, but she'd have one in a cup of soup. Nice. Blimey. That Mental. does explain a great
0: deal. <laughs> <wouldn't you say laughs>
2: Harsh but fair.
0: Listen, Sean M. Vale emailed and said, I want at least one year miniseries with the Eighth Doctor. Oh. It would be great. Mm. And I emailed him back and said, you know what, I don't think anybody wouldn't like that, but I don't think it's probably very likely. Mm. He said, it could be great, but I still think a limited series of the Eighth Doctor could really work. The limitation, of course, is the writing and the special effects, but I still think that if the Sarah Jane Adventures worked, so could a run of Eighth Doctor Adventures. Think about what the Sarah Jane Adventures did. Why not Paul McGann Adventures on the same level? Even on BBC's Kids Channel. I'd watch that, and so would lots of others, including kids. Uh, Why not a Who series aimed specifically at kids and still part of the Who chronology? My friends and I here often refer to the Sarah Jane Adventures as much like the original run of the series, Mm -hmm. with all its limitations, yet still quite wonderful writing Mm -hmm. at times. And, well, to be fair, he's sort of got a point, but after Night in the Doctor, could you really see the Eighth Doctor for
1: children? Not necessarily. I don't think. I mean, you, you really. Could, I mean, I love the idea. in In an ideal world, world that'd be great, wouldn't it? But I don't think it's going to ever happen, and it couldn't happen really because if you're going to run two Doctor Who official Doctor Who's alongside each other for children or not, it's, it's it would clash. The BBC would say yeah. no. It just well, would never happen. Uh, you say that, but actually, Ian Levine
0: made a really good point on his Facebook the other what day. What did he say? Hey. that be a first. Well, Careful. very funny, Mr. Cock Ram. <laughs> he said... "What? Well, that's just Mark's name, isn't it? It is,
1: and it's his name backwards, too.
0: Thank you. Cock Nick. Ram. It is. Um, oh, Ian Levine said CSI? Yeah, I suppose.
2: Yeah, but you know, who
0: cares about mm, CSI? <laughs> We're talking about Doctor yeah. Who. <laughs> well, you'd just call it Doctor Who
1: 1996. Mm. Well, actually... Yeah, ooh, yeah, maybe the the problem is though I mean what we saw was the end of McGann. it was the after the audio stuff, McGann, it's the dark doctor, it's the heading towards the war doctor. I mean, would he be able to pick up from nineteen ninety six Because he he looks older? I think that's oh that no i well I worked, just
0: really. joke him when I say nineteen ninety six you could do you could do i mean. I don't think they will. I don't think there's any chance that they will. And My suggestion to um, Sean was that far more likely is maybe we'd get a two-doctors-style story with Peter Capaldi and Paul McGann. Oh, yeah. Although, actually, I'm not entirely sure whether that is likely and I'll come to the reason for that in a minute. Mm, okay. But, um, well, the point is, if you... I mean, the BBC love Doctor Who, right? They love being able to sell Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Mm-hmm. They love the amount of money it makes for them. If you set up a second production unit with a different showrunner, and the different showrunner would be answerable to the sort of primary showrunner, but having said that, he'd be running the show by himself as long as he didn't cross any lines. Well, you know, Doctor Who twice a year. Sort of Paul McGann in the spring and Peter Capaldi in the autumn.
1: (laughs) Oh, how I Uh. wish that could happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like I don't do. think it will. I don't think it's remotely likely, but after reading what Ian Levine said, do you know, I can just about see it. But, mm. and here's the point, I think that would have worked better while David Tennant or Matt Smith were the Doctor, because the Paul McGann one would have been sufficiently different. Mm. But, you know, with Peter Capaldi, I think Peter Capaldi is going to be sort of flipping between a slightly darker Doctor and a slightly lighter Doctor. Mm. And I don't think he's going to be a million miles away from where Paul McGann was in Night of, Night of the Doctor, so I'm not entirely sure whether it could even work as maybe a two-doctors story, because you'd perhaps run the risk of just having the same Doctor twice. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, well, I applaud
2: we... the fans. You know, They've got this little petition up and what have you, and yeah. it's not really going to change anything, but fair play to no. them, I think. How
0: you how many signatures I have know, they it's got? Quite a few thousand.
2: But, yeah, but until they—that's yeah. quite
0: a few thousand, or quite a few tens of thousands, or quite a few yeah. hundreds of thousands. Because yeah. there's a huge difference. I mean,
2: yeah. fair play to them. You know, they got great passion, and yeah, you know, they just care that much about the show. They want it to happen. I think that's brilliant. But in all reality, sadly, it's not really going to go that way. No, but yeah, I, don't I think, think so. he may crop up at some point. It'd be nice to see him again. I London don't seven, yeah. I
1: think he could work as a it could work as a two doctor story. And in fact him and Peter Cabaldi, we don't know what Peter is gonna be like yet. But mm. um seeing what he's done in the past and his work, I can imagine those two actors working quite well together. Um it probably would work. In fact they'd be quite agreeable with each other maybe. Um It probably would work. Hey <laughs> apart, <laughs> from <laughs> apart from apart uh, from maybe Peter would get a bit narky with Paul. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it would work. I think so. It depends on what happens at the 50th and the Christmas episodes and what happens to the Doctor and his story really, doesn't it? There was a rumour that since
0: the uh, success of that once, there was a rumour that said now that Stephen Moffat's seen how successful Night of the Doctor is, he's in talks with Paul McGann about bringing him back next year. And I'm like, Okay, yeah. where did that rumour come from? You know, is somebody actually sitting under Stephen Moffat's pillow, listening to his <laughs> telephone calls? Because, you know, as much as we might like that to be true, how the hell did anybody get to overhear that conversation? I'll tell you what, how the, hell would anybody, how
1: the hell would anybody be able to sleep with somebody actually underneath your pillow? That's well, it depends how big work. the
0: person under the pillow is. <laughs> but more significantly... Pillow. Yeah, it depends how far underneath the pillow is. <laughs> if somebody was, like, 18 feet underneath my pillow, you know, That'd they'd be, the be in the room, room. <laughs> downstairs, and I'd be fine. So I could quite easily sleep with somebody that far under my pillow. Um, it's all a, uh, a bit surreal. Yeah, but this is the birthday party <laughs> episode, so... It's a shame Simon's not with us. Yeah. He could have done. When I was doing the song at the start, I was hoping Simon would be here, so he could do it as zippy as well. Well, I was Simon's also got hoping bigger YouTube fries.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, is that a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> there is quite a big event happening this weekend as we record. I'm sorry, it's that a euphemism. <laughs> it's going to be like this all night, isn't it? Who gave that's, him the brandy? That's the basis of Lee's best man speech. <laughs> yes.
0: Everything I always tell people off for in this podcast, I'll be doing myself tonight. <laughs> because it's that kind of a podcast. We're going to let you get
2: on with it as
1: well.
0: Uh, are we going to get lots of... you have disappearing again, Lee. Stay with the mic, You're going
1: to get worse, are you? I can tell. <laughs> oh, very definitely. Or at better, the moment, depending on the way you look at is, it.
0: It's going to be disappearing quick. Ian Martin says, I So, I going to from say from Ian his... for a minute. No,
1: I thought he was just going to say that as well, actually. We had that
0: last time he wrote in. <laughs> Ian well, was... Martin says, So, from his very first episode in 1996 to his final appearance regenerating into the next incarnation in 2013, the McGann era is now officially the longest, yeah. right? Yes, Good. indeed. Just checking. So, Wow well, it might
1: be. It is conversely both the longest and the shortest. Yeah, he's been called that a few times: the longest and the shortest. Is that a euphemism? Uh, it's actually, uh, it is actually canonized, isn't it? Canonized? Is that the word? Canoned, whatever. Uh, that his canonized, all his, canonized yeah. Yeah, all his stories, all his audio stories, because he mentioned all his, all his companions. It's like, oh, well, ah, okay, nice. Charlie, Lucy, you know, I applaud you all, whatever it is he said. It that does make it official. Does it not? Or are we having an argument about that tonight?
0: (laughs) Well, only because I've seen a lot of people say that. And the simple fact of the matter is, just because he mentioned somebody called Charlie, doesn't necessarily mean it's the same Charlie, unless you get evidence of a face as well.
2: Yeah, and that carries, there must be more than one person called carries.
0: Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Or even if it is the same carries, that doesn't necessarily mean that he and that companion had those adventures that are on audios. In the canon, it doesn't make it canon. It, it's a nice nod Yeah, for the people I think it's who nice like the audio adventures. What Big did.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, an, yeah.
1: I think it's a great nod, and you're, you're absolutely mm. right. But when you when you say you know that he's done all these adventures, you know that he's been with these companions on the audio adventures. It, wh- whatever this does, I mean, it's going to have people kind of talking about it for years. But whatever it, it does, it what it has actually done. Is put Big Finish up there again. It's, it's, you know, reminded people that there's more of his adventures out there and you should go and have a listen to them. And they are brilliant as well. And he is brilliant in, in them. And he's been in the role for God knows how long now, longer than Tom Baker.
0: Right, before this gets too serious, you just said the words put Big Finish up there. <laughs> I'd like to ask you a question, Lee. Yes,
1: <laughs> JR. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> it is. <laughs>
0: um,. Okay, before we get into the next six pages of emails, uh, something happened this week. What? What on earth happened? Well, something that we've already talked about quite a lot, Mm. but that we should be addressing. Mark, something to do with David Tennant and an introduction.
2: Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I only just watched that just before we started recording, because I normally try to avoid spoilers as much as possible, so I thought, "Ah, is it going to be a bit of a giveaway So I thought I'll stick it on. And uh, yeah, it's very professionally put together, I've got to say. Gone for the (laughs) traditional uh, production values.
1: What are we talking about?
2: He's
0: talking about stay with your mic, Lee. You're disappearing all the time.
1: Yeah, what's he talking about?
2: uh, Not that close. That was awful. (laughs) Um, They've recorded an introduction for The Day of the Doctor with David Tennant.
0: Well, they called it an introduction. It's yeah. not an introduction. It's David Tennant sitting at a table with somebody pointing a camera at him. Actually, two. It's a two-camera setup. Mm, yeah. And he just does a 60-second comedy sketch where he talks about <laughs> Doctor Who's production values. He's got, like, a, oh, I don't know, a colander in front of him. And he says, well, we've had to make this one a bit cheap because the money ran I out. I think it's the bit so... from
2: the um, the mop and bucket that you squash the squeegee into when you... Um... Oh uh, right, into the bucket. Yes. yeah.
0: <laughs> and he puts it on his head, and he says, "This will be my space hat for the uh, duration of the episode." <laughs> and you know, he's got about six things in front of him, mm. and he introduces what each one of those things will be. It's a little comedy sketch. Oh, he reintroduces really in- Fenagh
1: into the vernacular again.
0: No, oh, yeah, there's a a dead rat. Mm-hmm.
1: That sounds brilliant. Was it just done because yeah. he wanted to do it for a bit of fun, or was it like a com- comic release? Well, they normally or... do it on
2: the on the official site. They'll have um, usually Matt Smith and Jenna Coleman talking about okay. the next episode coming up, and it was kind of set up to be like that. So you click play, and it's then him being a little bit silly and funny. There seem to be a lot of little gems like that just
1: popping up mm. and around. There are lots of programs on this week, which I don't know whether you're going to get to in a minute, are you, JR? Uh, the science, um, science of Doctor Who and, you know, the 100 Best Monsters and all that kind of stuff. They're all cro- Okay, let's up. do it. Anybody watch The Science of Doctor Who? I did. I watched it twice, actually. watched it once on my own and once really? with Finn. Uh, was he
0: doing the thing... I just caught tiny, tiny little bits of it because mm. I was doing something at the time, so I just caught tiny little bits of it. Was he doing that thing where... And this is what a lot of people do. You can use theory to prove just about anything you want to prove until you actually have to, you know, do it practically. Mm. Was he doing all this stuff about,
1: you know, if you go faster than the speed of light, you're actually travelling through time? Kind of. He was basically just picking on three or four subjects like that. Uh, He had an experiment uh, per subject, and he'd get somebody out of the audience uh, who was quite famous. And uh, <clears throat> Charles Dance, for, in- for instance, and uh, Rufus Hound got up. And it, it was actually really quite fascinating. I think it's just like a little introduction to, to physics uh, with Doctor Who attached. But the, I think the best thing about yeah. that science of Doctor Who, uh, it, as much as I like Brian Cox, and I do love his programs and what, you know all, all the theories and things, is that he did these three little sketches with uh, Matt Smith. Um, yes. And it was done as almost like a mini-sode. And they were superb. And in fact, you know, he was pretty good in it. He, you know, he kept his... He, he didn't smile and mess around or, you know, he took it very seriously. <laughs> it actually worked. And Mark, and Matt Smith is just, just hilarious. Some fantastic stuff in there.
0: That's another extra little episode of Doctor Who that we've got this year then as well, mm, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's filmed properly. Uh,
1: and we've got one in
0: The Ultimate Guide as well. Sort of. Another little sort of... Yeah, I think Gareth proto- Roberts wrote that, didn't
2: he? Mini- did he? I think so, yeah. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. What was With the a few gu- lines thrown in by Clayton Hickman as well. Oh, right. Well, there would be a shock. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so what was the um, uh, ultimate guide then? What was that? Well,
0: uh, oh, it was a two-hour thing on BBC Three, just mm-hmm. doing a history of the whole series. Oh, yeah. I and an Mark hour. watched the first hour, but not the second hour. Mm-hmm. And I watched the second hour, but not the first ah. hour. And I watched the middle <laughs> bit.
1: <laughs> did you? I watched the middle bit last night. But, oh, I was one in the morning, wasn't yeah. it? Oh,
0: why did you need to ask what it was about then?
1: Because I wasn't sure whether it was the same thing. Because apparently there was, an, apparently it was oh, a monsters I see. thing as well. Or oh, am, am I talking about the same thing? I don't know.
0: I don't know. That it's just episodes. <laughs> They're just showing episodes for that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the monsters and villains weekend.
1: Oh, right, okay. Yeah.
0: They just did a vote for the top ten monsters and villains and then showed a representative episode from each one. Mm.
1: A lot of people didn't introduced...
0: like that. Oh, no, because each episode was introduced with this sort of short introduction by some fella. Right. There's no interviews or anything remotely sort of semi-official about it. Mm. It was just some BBC3 guy introducing the episode. Was
1: he a comedian? <laughs>
0: Not from the comments I've read on the internet. (laughs) (coughs) So, yes, I mostly heard people complaining about him. Mm. But then I mostly read people complaining about Brian Cox as well. Oh, really? Hmm. Whingers. It's great. (laughs) Well, I will catch up with it at some point. You know, I'm recording all this stuff this week, but I'm, you know, still a fairly busy person, so I can't always watch it immediately. Hmm. But we're only a couple of days now away from an adventure in space and oh, time. it's
1: going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. Better be. I can't wait.
0: Did I get it the right way around, Mark? You did. Well done. Yes, we're all looking forward to that, I think. Uh, especially since the trailer broke, right? Mm. Well, I haven't You've seen, seen it, the least. trailer.
1: No. Oh, no. I, I, uh, you, okay. you can talk about it, because I know what happens.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I think... <coughs> well, I don't think there's really much to... Spoil in that story, is there? We all know exactly what happens, yeah, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I'm surprised um, BBC haven't sent preview copies out to people. Is mm. that
2: some sort of subtle hint? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't, very, no. wasn't very subtle, was it?
0: <laughs> well, no, it's kind of an odd situation. I people will be listening to this podcast after it's gone out, and they'll have seen it. Mm-hmm. So, this little bit of conjecture I'm about to do now. Uh, they'll know whether it's right or not. But normally with a thing like this, you'd get preview copies and there wouldn't be embargoes on it because it's not telling a story in which there are any twists. So there's nothing to keep from people. So you would send preview copies out so people can review it in advance of it appearing on telly to whip up a bit of excitement. Mm -hmm. Well, normally the only reason not to let people have previews is because it's rubbish and you're scared of what the reviews will say.
2: Oh
1: Oh dear
0: I
2: did see Mark Gatiss tweeting Earlier in the week saying That they'd asked people when they premiered it At the BFI not to Spoil it and he'd been very disappointed That people had inevitably Spoilt it
0: But what have they spoiled? Because what is there to spoil? I don't know That's the thing that gets me. We all know the story. Unless he's actually, you know, written in that the Daleks are real and that part of the story was a documentary or something, you know? What
1: surprises are there that there could possibly be? Exactly. Maybe maybe the the behind-the-scenes stuff he's
2: embellished. uh, embellished William Hartnell was secretly married to a black lady.
1: (coughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) A black lady called Ben. Yeah. (laughs) You know, okay, yeah.
0: But I well we shouldn't really talk about this because by the time we do people will have seen it and yeah. at the moment we haven't so this conversation's going to be largely
1: irrelevant and as just, just go on as we're talking uh, every time mark talks his little picture flashes up because we're talking through Skype here right and uh, he's standing next to the very console that was in that episode as far as i can see is that right mark
2: I'm sure the listeners at home will be thrilled with that. Yes, it yeah, is. The I'm ones. just
1: wondering. Well, you know, because we did, we, we have gone up to visit the Doctor Experience. I have recently, yeah, um, and done the studio tour and everything. And it, it, you know, it is brilliant. If you haven't been, it's fantastic. And that console, how did you feel when you approached that console?
2: Uh, I just wanted to press every button, but of course, it's behind a barrier, so you can't. But yeah. it's a thing of beauty.
1: It's beautifully made. So if the rest of the episodes have got that much, you know, love and attention. Uh, lavished on it. It should be quite beautiful to look at, for a start. Although, I
2: hadn't seen any uh, fast return switch written in crayon on the uh, console, so that was... Yeah, that was sadly lacking. (laughs) That was
0: almost as good a piece of radio as when (laughs) Lee did, as... Get this, dear listeners. Some of you won't be aware of this, some of you will know about this. As when Lee and Simon did a picture quiz on their radio show. <laughs> I know.
2: I do apologise uh... about that. I mean, I listened to that
0: afterwards, after the fact, and I have to say, I was halfway round my round delivering people's posts, and I think for probably about 30 minutes after that, everybody would have been getting the wrong post <laughs> because I was in such a state of disbelief.
2: It, <laughs> it, a, ten it, was, a, listen- it was powerful radio. It took you to another dimension.
0: Uh, Here are 10 pictures, dear <laughs> listeners. Can you please tell us what they're 10
2: pictures of? <laughs> and a prize for the person who gets it correct. It's It's only one step away from what am I thinking of right now. <laughs> Hey, Is we it? haven't yeah we haven't
1: done that game yet. Or what's in my pocket? Mm. We could do that. Oh yeah, let's not go there. But we do have a competition,
0: so should we do the competition now? Yes. Ooh, I was yes. going to save
1: this to the end,
0: but that seems the perfect segue. Do we have music? <coughs> <coughs> well, that's the whole point, Lee. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't. Oh. Mm-hmm. It, uh, yeah. Well, here's the thing: we change our theme music once every three months mm. because. Well, I mean, we said seasons, but it's not really seasons. Mm. We just change the music every three months. And I just thought it would be nice uh, to start next year with an arrangement um, as put together by one of our listeners. Oh, what a great idea. How cool is that? Yeah. So what we need is, well, you've heard our theme going back over the last, I think we've had seven now.
2: You know the hmm. current one by Momo Tempo. I tell you what, whoever wins is going to have to go some to uh, to match up to that. I think it's a, a good piece. But the point
0: being, you know what kind of thing we like, you know, hmm. to have as the theme for this show. So be original, be daring, hmm. and you know, try and make something that sounds relatively professional. And what we need is sort of either a full version that's around a minute long that we can split up ourselves into opening and closing themes, or else if you like, you can send us a 20 second and a 30 second version for the opening and the end of the show, as well as the full version as well. Uh, But, you know, get your arranging cap on. Come up with a I'm sure plenty of people listening have done this at some point anyway. Come up with an arrangement of the Doctor Who theme that you think would be appropriate for the Blue Box podcast and email it to blueboxpodcast at yahoo.co.uk before Christmas. I'm going to say the deadline for this is Christmas Day. But (laughs) I would also point out that the sooner you get it in the better chance we'll have to give it a good listen, and so the better chance it'll have of being used. So I wouldn't wait until Christmas Day, but we'll still <laughs> accept ones up till Christmas Day. I bet nobody sends any in at all now.
1: Ah, they will, I'm sure. And um, how are we judging these? Are we allowed to tell them or not really? Is that between us? What's that? How, how are we judging what what the winner will be?
0: Oh, what do you mean, what the winner? Uh, what? How would you? Yeah, if we, if we get like 12. Choose our favourite. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. Uh, yeah, we vote it. It's yeah. not really very difficult. <laughs> well, I
1: don't know. You might just suddenly go, no, no, no. I'll, I'll pick it. It's fine, you know. <laughs> or we might say, oh, no, 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 Mark, no. you listen to it. I'm fed up with listening to the dot two theme. <laughs> <And> oh, it
0: <laughs> depends how many we get through. I can't imagine that we'll get more than a handful. I mean, I, I'd be. I, come on, I'd listeners. Like be... Come on, listeners. Prove him wrong. Prove we, him wrong. <laughs> come on. We want his. I'd like to be. I'll make a... Sh- Perhaps I'll make a short list and then put it to you three guys. Or... But I, I was just planning on every time anything came through, posting it to a private resource or yeah. sending you a copy via email or whatever. Okay. I was going to make a Dropbox for the four of us and just put everything in the Dropbox so you could listen and we'd have a conversation. So, so it. listeners,
1: we want you to fill JR's box full of music, please. Mark?
2: I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> oh, my God. Was that a euphemism? <laughs> No. Yeah, I'm not no going anywhere deal. near your box. Um, we have had some <laughs> real banana pants, crazy versions of the theme tune. So go mm. wild with it.
0: Yeah, go wild with it, but not so wild that it sounds like the theme from Happy Days. <laughs> <laughs> it would be different.
2: <laughs> that would be I great. Don't know
0: where that came from, <laughs> guys? We've not really talked about Night and the Doctor, Night of the Doctor. I keep saying Night and the Doctor. Is it Night and or Night of? Is Night of Night, night of, of, of the, the doctor. doctor? Yes. Mm. God, I
2: can't get that right in my head at all.
0: Lee, well, have guys, you seen wanted...
2: this yet? <clears throat> yeah, I have. Yeah, please tell me you've seen it. Right? Did you see times. it without knowing that McGann was going to be in it, or yes. was that spoiled? No, I didn't. You know. did?
1: I, no, I didn't know he was in it. Wow, so it was an amazing. It was a. It just felt so great. I wasn't expecting him at all. I was expecting maybe David Tennant. Before, before you go any further, yeah. did mm. you watch it online or on the red button? Red button. So, yeah. Oh, so you didn't see it from the start <clears throat> I, I watched, No, hang on I watched an on iPlayer, sorry
0: Oh, iPlayer, yeah. well that's okay yeah, So I... when he turns up and says I, I'm a Doctor, but not the one you're yeah, expecting Ah, yeah. Uh, you see Because mm. if you'd watched that on the red button Yeah, on the it BBC, just cuts in at any old point Yeah, you'd just come in halfway through <sighs> the episode And you'd know it was Paul McGann Before you, <laughs> it's
1: rubbish. oh, you know That's Mm. I, kn- I really know, need to. I know the guy who programs the red button. I'm gonna have words with him actually. <laughs>
2: well, no, I, I not... watched it online, and within a couple of minutes, there was a tweet from a certain website. I'm not going to name them because I don't want to give them publicity. Name and uh, shame. And, name, uh, and shame. <laughs> name and shame. Name and shame. And they put up a tweet saying Paul McGann's back, with a link to it, and there were loads of people just tweeting them saying, "Well." Thanks. Thanks for spoiling the surprise. Cheers for that. Yeah. There's only one word for that sort of behaviour, isn't there? Twattish? Wankers. Mm. Well, yeah, there is that. Tosserish. That thought did cross my mind, um, and their excuse was, "Oh, well, it's in the public domain now, so it doesn't well, matter." Yeah. It's
0: been in the public domain mm. for two minutes. Yeah, literally within a You're couple of minutes. you going to spoil everybody else's mind. day. Yeah. I
2: hope a lot of people
0: stopped following them on Twitter after that mm. because. That would be as much as they
1: deserve. Exactly. Yeah. And there are a lot of websites saying, you know, you know, and Facebook sites saying, please don't post any spoilers 72 hours before the, you know, just don't don't post them. Um, because mm. people want to be surprised. We we have learned to be surprised by Dot Who again, and we don't want to spoil mm-hmm. anymore. When I uh, did a review of it, I just put that actor or the actor, or something like that, and it it didn't give anything away, and people were going, what's he on about? So, you know, I was excited, I wanted to tell people, but it's like, well, I'm not going to give anything away, I'm just going to say, it's great, go and watch it. But Um, how good was it to see
2: Paul McGann, even if it was just for that seven minutes? (sighs)
1: Yeah. It was it was great because he's older as well. I think an older doctor always kind of works, doesn't he? He's had a bit more, a few years behind him now, he? and he looked, He's got a bit more grizzly. Yeah, he's grizzly, <laughs> uh, and I liked what he was wearing. It's like some kind of buccaneer thing going on there. Um, oh, much better than yeah, any cool. of the other
0: costumes they've given him.
1: Yeah, fantastic, really good, and I think it's just carried on from that Dark Doctor idea that. You know, they came up with probably between Big Finish and Stephen Moffat, actually. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, no, he, he he pitched it just right, and it was really good, actually, because he was a. You could tell he was tired with it, all. he was tired with the war. Is mm-hmm. You know, his reactions to the girl on on the uh, on the on the spaceship was was really really perfect. You know, he was desperate to just say, "No, I'm a nice guy, really," and it was acted really really well. I mean, the thing that got me was he had a string of jokes come out of his mouth that any one of the doctors could have said Mm -hmm. and made hilarious and he didn't move his head he just said them almost in a monotone monosyllabic way and bring me knitting yeah bring me knitting it was like it was just coming out because that's what the doctor would say but he didn't mean you know what
0: so many people said after that after that mini episode there you go stephen moffat you can write doctor who and I'm thinking, that is exactly the same dialogue as he would have given any of his exactly. doctors. Mm. It's about acting and directorial choices. Exactly. Yeah. It's not about what Stephen Moffat
1: does. It's about what the directors do. Exactly. And it felt like what I think I put up for, for somebody yeah, I was telling my friend Tony, that's right, Um, I said, you know, it, didn't it feel like an old, new episode? It was very odd. It did breach the kind of the, uh, the older episodes feel, probably because of the Sisters of Khan and all that. Yeah. But, and yeah. also the acting style and also the you know, the, the the style of the way it's filmed and everything. Then you get the CGI and you get the Time War and you get the link to the, the new Doctor as well, of course, and the music. But yeah, it did feel like a really good mix of the old and the new. So that's probably why people are getting excited about the idea of him coming back and doing another series similar well, to that kind of style.
0: I think potentially you've got a little glimpse of what and this is what goes back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast you've potentially got a little glimpse of what Peter Capaldi's Doctor might be like because mm. it will still be Stephen Moffat's dialogue, <clears throat> but it will be coming out of the mouth of a much older actor. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So you're not going to... This is the thing that's always got me. People say, oh, Matt Smith's been such a great actor, he, but, you know, the writing spoiled it for him. You know, all these pirouettes he does when he's messing around in the TARDIS and all these times he takes the sonic screwdriver. And I'm thinking, no... There is not a script direction that says, Matt Smith <laughs> yeah. then pirouettes before pressing the button. That is a choice the actor made, <laughs> not the writer. And you know, every time he whips out the sonic screwdriver, I bet 66% of those aren't in the script. That's just Matt Smith enjoying playing with his prop. Well, so, is that, that euphemism? Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey. uh,
2: anyway, back to Paul McGann. I thought it was a great showcase um, of his abilities as an actor. I thought he was great. He he had those funny little lines, but then he kind of flipped it completely with the, the sort of ending of it where he yeah. has to do the the big speech before he downs the potion. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant.
0: And I tell you what else was brilliant and that really sent the chills up my spine. I mean, okay, I I've known this was coming for a certain amount of time. Mhm. So it wasn't a surprise. Uh, but I still got chills when the regeneration happened. Mm. Yeah. And then I got a second dose of chills when John Hurt's young face came yeah. up in the reflection.
1: Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. I was expecting no. the older doctor of you know, the older version of him. And haven't he he's another been thing. kicking around for ages then this war doctor. Yeah.
0: Well, I was just about to address that. Has he been kicking around for ages? Or is he so battle-damaged, he's aged that much in a short period of time?
1: Maybe. Hmm. Maybe.
0: Because that was the thought that struck me. He's been through so much hell, he's turned from the young John Hurt into the old John Hurt in a matter
1: of
2: yes. you know, weeks or something. Good
1: point. It's a time war. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> mm. He could have aged very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, that's, if they're that's using the those time that disruptors me. like
2: they've got in the Daleks Master Plan. Huh. See what it did to Sarah Kingdom. You know, the
1: funny thing is,
0: I've read in a couple of places this week that John Hurt's been drafted in as a replacement for Christopher Eccleston after Christopher Eccleston said no. Mm -hmm. No, I
2: don't
0: think so. Well, here's the thing. Christopher Eccleston said that he'd said no because he was just offered a cameo, and John Hurt's actually threw out the whole special. So, uh, the last minute replacement doesn't suddenly get written into every Mm. scene, whereas previously he was only in two. Mm. I my assumption is, and potential spoiler territory, but this is only an assumption, so no, 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 my no. assumption is John Hurt was always in it, and Christopher Eccleston was asked if he'd come in and do a regeneration scene at the end. Why not? Yeah, I mean, that's
1: mm. that, that would just dovetail the whole thing nicely, wouldn't it? Mm. And, actually, and
0: presumably that's what Christopher Eccleston turned down. And I say turned down in inverted commas because... I'm still not 100% convinced he did turn it down rather than just said he had. Well,
1: we all thought Paul McGann wasn't going to be in it. I, I was totally fooled by all mm. <laughs> everything that was going on. I definitely didn't think he was going to be in it again, and that was a major surprise. And I just... I le- I think I leapt out of my seat. Um, you've heard my uh, audio <laughs> version of me being excited about Peter Capaldi's, you know, being revealed to be the next Doctor. I, I, yeah, I don't hold it back. I did leap out of my seat. Um and then watched it 12 times in a row. Yeah. Um, literally, 12 times. never get times.
2: bored of watching it.
1: It's just great. love it.
2: I was squeeing like a fanboy. It was brilliant.
1: I'd love to have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, William Hartnell. <coughs> he's not in it, is he?
2: I don't think he's no, ever squeed but like I, a fanboy.
0: This is, our, this is our Happy Birthday Doctor Who episode, so <laughs> I just thought we ought to mention him at some point. Later oh. on, I'll try and mention the others if I remember. If we get to the end of the episode, and there's anybody I've forgotten
1: Wow. Billy Boy. Yeah, he's been played by two other actors now, isn't he? Is it two other actors on screen? Mr. Three. Is it three?
0: Oh yeah. Have you not
2: seen the chase? Nah. Hey, eh? remind me. It's double in the chase.
1: Oh, I wasn't really counting that, but yeah. The robot a, doctor. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah, but yeah, but if, if you watch the chase, Lee, <laughs> you'll see that in some scenes,
0: right? The double's supposed to be playing the <clears> robot, <throat> right? But there are some scenes in which the double is playing the doctor and William Hartnell's playing the robot. (laughs) It's a a, uh, Richard Martin production.
1: (laughs) Wily old geezer.
0: What what was that laughter for, Mark? No, I just had something
2: stuck in my throat. throat)
0: (laughs) Um, Andrew Moore says, just bought this week's Radio Times. One Mm -hmm. of the features... Is a rundown of each doctor's era with a must-watch scene for each. I find it apt that the must-watch scene for Colin Baker is the opening effect shots from *Trial of a Time Lord*.
2: Ooh, mm. Harsh really? but fair. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he says, "Oh, we've done Colin Baker, so we've only got a few more to go." Yeah. He says, "Tell Lee, I've not. You're doing actually... a,
2: you're doing a Toby Haydo, can't you? What's that? You're trying to fit in every Doctor in the Absolutely. anniversary year."
0: It's the anniversary. The who's round? Uh, Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet.
2: Um, (laughs) That's no way to speak about Toby. He's a lovely man. Have you met him? (laughs) I've heard him speak. He sounds very nice. Well, you can't say
0: then. We all met him. Don't you remember? (laughs) Mark wasn't there, Lee. I'm not entirely sure if you Uh, remember. I don't think I remember. (laughs) It
1: was was great, but I don't remember.
0: Um, anyway, Andrew continues and here's where I have to make a confession. I have no idea what he's talking about here. Probably something I either said or read out on a previous podcast mm-hmm. and you know what? It's just gone.
2: That's what so, getting old does to you, mate.
0: Yeah. But anyway, uh, you'll still find it amusing. Hmm. I will. I'll read it in a special voice to make it even <laughs> more amusing. No, I mean special voice. no, not that kind of a special voice, Lee. Are you trying to make me have to edit. It says, Andrew Moore says, Tell Lee I won't need any of his special DVDs. Ds. Oh, As I you know misunderstood, mm mm-hmm. As you misunderstood my anniversary quandary, and my wife and I, we were going to the pictures on the 23rd, whilst on our anniversary time anyway.
2: Yeah, he was worried he was going to miss the anniversary special, because they were going off on a uh, special holiday to celebrate their... Uh nuptials, and uh, oh. and it was at the same time that Lee had said he'd seen the enemy of the world through slightly nefarious means, I so did I wonder suggested if I... maybe he might be able to bung him a copy on DVD or something.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, of course.
2: You know, when he said special
0: DVDs, <laughs> I, know, I did wonder <laughs> oh. if it was something to do with that, but I couldn't remember what it was. I was getting worried about that as well. <laughs> I'm just going to say it one more time, though, because yes. you know special dvds i think so
2: this is euthanism. going to go down as a special episode that people will save for when they're really badly hung over and they need something to just try and snap them out of it
0: yeah i don't think this would be of much help with that whatsoever <laughs> it will probably just make a headache worse <laughs> um hello blue boxers hello i'm sure <laughs> this is from
2: ben from indiana who uh, hey, from ages yeah hello Ben. he does a really good podcast doesn't he he's been on our podcast yeah, but he does a really good podcast of his own, doesn't he? Of course he does. What's it called, Mark? It's called The Tower of Something. Techno Babble. That's the one. And, and you were a guest there... on it as well, weren't you? Yeah,
0: mm. I was. Oh, speaking of things like that, something else I was going to bring up and I've forgotten what it is, so I'll just carry on. Hello, blue boxes, says Ben from Indiana. I'm sure you guys noticed that Paul McGann showed up. It was incredible and my resulting extreme happiness nearly hurt my marriage. Oh dear. How? Well, you try convincing your wife that a six minute internet mini episode is the real reason you're smiling so much and that it's not a shaky
2: cover story for something else. Oh dear. Back to leave special DVDs again.
0: (laughs) Oh no, I think it was special something else. Yeah. I wouldn't like to say what. Mm. Maybe some kind of special sauce or something. Okay. Anyway, he carries on and says, I've really been impressed by the overwhelming positive reaction for Night of the Doctor, especially since it's the first new episode we've had in months. And it got me thinking how the standalone Christmas or Easter specials have rarely, if ever, generated this amount of goodwill towards the show and towards Moffat. And those are usually an hour long. Mm. Mm. So, point. So, says Ben... I wonder if Moffat is thinking he should cut down every episode for six <laughs> minutes. <laughs> of course, podcasters could never do a six-minute show. That's just crazy talk. <laughs> Love,
1: Ben. Oh, well, bless him. It's not a bad idea. I mean, you know, I would watch uh, mini-sodes of, uh, of Paul McGann. Uh, six minutes isn't quite long enough, lad. Fifteen minutes, maybe you could get a full story in there, but uh, not. Quite I think a he was talking story. about six-minute
0: Christmas specials,
1: Lee. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's good. Uh, what's that? The Doctor, Widow, and the Wank- not No, not, no, I, to say something I, else. I think even twanky. six
2: minutes that would still be. Six minutes directed. is enough, I think. If you just edit yeah. that into six
1: minutes, that'd be great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it still I'd seem like an hour.
1: Definitely one of the worst I've ever seen. You could just keep Alexander Armstrong's bits, although
0: without the rest of the story, that'd probably just be pointless.
2: Oh, oh, see what you did there? Dear, dear. Did you like it? Not a lot. Did you just open a
1: cracker?
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here all night. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff Waddell says, I've taken two weeks holiday from work to be drunk for a week and watch all the Doctor Who stuff till Saturday <laughs> and then recover. Anyway, I would just like to say thanks for all the great entertainment, you guys. He's going to make it his mission to give us a review on iTunes. Oh, good man. And and he says all the other 150 podcasts
2: he (laughs) listens to. Is he going to put in a complaint about how long it takes for it to appear on iTunes? Because that seems to be about the only correspondence I normally get from him.
0: (laughs) I have no idea. Apart from saying that
2: he likes the show, obviously.
0: We've got about a billion emails. But some of them will bring up stuff we want to talk about.
2: Mm.
0: But this one probably... Won't, just giving it a quick scan Uh It's from Doc Whom Hello Doc It's the first of 14 emails we have tonight from Doc Whom Sweet we've baby also, Jesus Yeah, we've also got 7 from Alno. Wow I am I am just kidding Thank Oh the lord We do have a couple from each of them though I like Al emails.
2: My Doc Whom's not bad either Yes
0: Anyway, Doc Hume says, Gentlemen, talking of alternative titles for rubbish titles, I always thought it was a pity that City of Death didn't keep its original title a gamble with time. <laughs> Much? Mm. do you know, I'm not sure people do know this, City of Death takes place in Paris, yeah. right? Paris is called the City of Love, right? Yes. But the catacombs under Paris are called the City of Death. I did not know that. No, I didn't know that either. Right, that's why it's called City of Death. It's yeah. named after the catacombs under Paris. I thought Paris. it was just a play on the City of Love. Yeah, but that's the thing is, it is a play on the City of but, Love, but as well as being yeah, oh. but it's a go. play on City of Love that already existed for hundreds of years before they used it in Doctor Who. So it isn't. Such and wasn't a, a gamble with time?
2: Wasn't a gamble so, with time going to be set in Monaco or something? Yes. Yeah.
1: And Lee, you were going to say. So it wasn't such a rubbishy title, after all. No, it's a really good title. Yeah.
0: I think so, anyway. anyway I think Nightmare he says, of
1: Eden's a great title. Oh, here you
0: go. Actually, Doc Hoon carries on. His very next sentence is, I know the original setting of a casino in Monte Carlo was abandoned, but it could still have worked. Scaroth was gambling that his plan would work.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm. But mm. I think it's just the word gamble in a kid's TV show. Quite it sounds out.
0: like something that lambs should be doing. Yeah, it's uh, a <laughs> like persu- gambling towards the cooking pot. It's like a
1: persuader's title, isn't it? The Avengers, yeah, actually, it? you're right. It is.
0: <laughs> anyway, finally, the insistence of the three of you on lusting over every mention of Leela is disgraceful. What? I wasn't, was I? <laughs> I oh no, 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 no! You've got to let him finish. <laughs> He's just setting himself up for a pun. Oh, sorry. I'll oh, shut up. He says. <clears throat> Finally, the insistence on the three of you on lusting over every mention of Leela is disgraceful. Leave it to you guys to put the pig back in Pygmalion.
1: Oh, I think cold. I lust after Jenna Louise Coleman, actually.
0: I think you do. I think I do. And actually, my mention of Louise Jameson is always about her acting talent.
1: Indeed it is. is.
0: And Mark, bundles what was that it. not? What was that not, Mark? What? Not
2: what funny. was that not? No, it was not a euphemism. Oh, sorry. I uh, think okay. I think Louise Jameson's a very attractive lady. Oh, she is. Uh, but I think
0: she... Well, I've said it many times on this podcast. I think she's the best actress mm. who ever played a companion. Uh, she's Quite, she's, frankly, she's good. Yeah,
1: she's definitely out there as one of the best actors in the series. Unfortunately, I'm going
0: to be at the Excel event on the Sunday, which means I'll be getting the 80s panel. Oh,
2: oh. <laughs> does that mean you get Matthew Waterhouse?
0: No, I don't know. No. no, I don't think so. So
2: what, if he's there, you've got to meet him and uh, get him to do a little sting. I've great. not had
0: chance to. I've not had chance to look with much detail at the um, bump yet because I only got it about an hour before we started recording, and I've had my dinner since then as well. So I'll have a closer look later. But it looks like I don't know if this was the case, but it looks from what I've been given like maybe Friday was a 60s day. Saturday is a sort of seventies
2: day, yeah, and Sunday is a bit
0: more of an eighties day. Well, we all
2: know the eighties is your favourite period of uh, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if any of our listeners are going to be at the XL on Sunday, assuming this podcast does go out before Sunday, we might be doing the birthday podcast, and it might not go out for a fortnight, guys. Yeah, possibly. That's and how we listen. roll. But if it does, we don't, go out. We
2: don't do things by conventional means.
0: But if any of our listeners are at the Excel event on Sunday and they do get to hear this beforehand, I will be there. So if you do see me, feel free to take pictures from a distance.
1: Yeah, and uh, one of my um, kids, um, when they first saw UJR, they said, looks a bit like a farmer, Dad. So uh, if you, all you need to do is,
2: (laughs) farmer. (laughs) I don't
1: know why, they were young. Uh, All you need to do is just, you know, stick on a couple of wellies and bang, you know, they'll find you. Easy peasy. Piece of hay in your mouth as you're walking your along? Yeah, shepherd's Perfect. crook. Damn, I so
0: tried to cultivate a writerly <laughs> aspect as well. But all I ended up doing was cultivating, and now I look like a farmer.
1: <laughs> I've kept it secret for a long time.
0: <clears throat> okay, here's Chris Forzag from New Orleans. Good name. Cool name. Oh yeah. He says, hello all. I'm a relative latecomer to your podcast. I think he joined us on the Missing Episodes one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ah, right. Uh, He says, but I'm enjoying them tremendously. I like JR's comment about the War Games being a potential alternate template for 70s Who. But I've always viewed the serial as the ultimate finale of what we remember as 60s Who, not only because it tackled some of the central mysteries of the show that had been introduced way back in An Unearthly Child but also in the way it fused both the science fiction and historical elements that have been the primary formula of the early years into one last fantastic adventure serial before switching to colour and a more adult tone tone from that point forward. Christ, Chris, you put more commas in your emails, they'll be easy to read. (laughs) Um, Not that that sentence wasn't worth reading, because... He 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 obviously writes writes like I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? When I write, I always put in more commas than are really necessary, just because it does make it easier. Just in case. Yeah. Anyway, so to me, it was and is, the War Games, the perfect encapsulation of everything that was '62, even if there weren't any overt monsters as such. And if the show had ended then and there, as was feared, it would have been a fitting finale for what was then a six-year-old, semi-educational, black-and-white show about the wanderings of a mysterious, whimsical traveller in both time and space.
1: Hear,
0: <clears> hear. <throat> then he says, P.S. Since The War Games was written in a state of panic and haste, I'm not sure that the 60s finale aspect was intentional. But did the writers know in the back of their minds that The War Games could have possibly been the final Doctor Who serial? Well, I actually looked this up because we've spoken about this various on various occasions and we've never actually got to the bottom of it, so I looked it up. And here's the thing. John Pertwee finally put pen to paper and signed on as the Doctor, having been in talks about it for about three months, approximately two-thirds of the way through the War Games.
2: Ah, so, right,
0: so they didn't know. So, on the one hand, you know, it was definitely, if not absolutely confirmed, it was definitely on the cards that Season 7 was going to be going ahead before the War Games was anywhere close to even going into production. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, not to show John Pertwee at the end was absolutely an artistic choice rather than one born out of necessity because he had signed and he was, you know, presumably would have been available just to go in for five minutes at the end of the working day or something had they so chosen, but they chose not to.
1: That's interesting. So there you go. I mean, it wouldn't be too difficult to actually slot his face in as they're, you know, choosing the he's too fat, he's too thin, he's too old, that that scene. You know, could have he could've he could have slipped John Perry. His nose in there? is too big. Yeah. <laughs> His hair's His too hair big too buffoned. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like my nan.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> he looks like everybody's nan. <laughs> Uh, we've mentioned John Pertwee now. Yeah. Do you know, there used to be a t shirt that you could get only on Swap Shop if you swap with the right person, mm-hmm. and it just said on the front, black on white, very simple John Pertwee looks like everyone's nan. No way, no. Mal. Oh, no way. I think he might You're have just right. made that up. I thought out. it was just me. I did make it up. You
1: yeah.
2: JR's going to get <laughs> some <laughs> printed up, though. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, you yeah. should. Yeah. With the blue box. you've got to do something special.
1: Yeah, with the uh, BBC with a picture of me logo. sitting with
0: my legs wide open and John Pertwee's hair in my lap. Ooh, dear, oh dear, oh, <laughs> uh, oh, dear boys, revs up. Who's hey. this from?
2: Hello, Carlos. Yes.
0: Well, how interesting to hear that Al No, if that's how you spell it, and he has of course spelled it wrong. He says K N O W, but it's just N O. Was mistaken for me. Mm. It does seem to ring with a thought I had. The Doctors are the same man, but with each incarnation we get different aspects of his personality, subdued or exaggerated. Listening to your recent podcast with views and opinions on favourite and least favourite episodes, etc., I formed the view that all Doctor Who fans are the same fan. (laughs) I will elaborate. We all love Doctor Who, and I, as many, would rather have some Doctor Who rather than no Doctor Who. We just love different aspects. Mm -hmm. Opinions can become heated. JR, Sush, you are wrong, but you are at least wrong about something which is right. At the end of the day, together, we love a fantastic 50-year-old journey as a whole. I, for instance, the rev carries on, get annoyed at the negative reviews given to Time in the Rani. Fine, mock Mel. Fine, mock Sylvester goofing. Fine, sneer at the regeneration. But no one ever mentions what a nice concept and bit of design the Locertians are with their creepy, slightly-tailed skeletons and fine mock Kef McCulloch's drum machine, but Drink's Matt Dawning is a great bit of alien backing music for the aforementioned race and their environment. I would rank The Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe, the Christmas special I would put on for a group of non-fans wanting some Christmas cheer. And do you know what? I don't get midnight. Great acting, check. Great cast, check but to me, cheap, slow, and boring. Mm-hmm. This is the fan incarnation that's me, though, and that's mm-hmm. the point. That's why, together, we are a great bunch. And yes. no, and no, I'll know, if that's how you spell <laughs> it, may not be me, but I am him, and
2: you, and you, and you. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to go into <clears> the Jim <throat> Will Fix It theme tune for a yeah.
0: minute. Swear well words. That's not good. Uh, oh, I was almost going to go into Goo 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 Jube. Oh, oh that's, well, yeah. that's better, yeah. We got anyway, so
2: Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he makes a very good point there. Um, well, he's not quite finished. He's oh, got another go paragraph.
0: <laughs> he says, Well, that almost sounded like an email that any incarnation of a fan could send you, boys. So enjoy the 50th. Happy Christmas. Thanks for the entertainment. And don't fall asleep on a train with your vervoid action figure resting in your lap. It can only result. <laughs> 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 I think this is a reference like to Al emails. <laughs> it says it can only result in messy windows. Oh, Bye for God. now. Bye for now, the Reverend Captain Hallo <laughs> if that's how you spell it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, best yeah, email of the night, far.
2: Uh, uh, no, he does make a very good point there because, you know, I do possibly mock certain aspects of the show. <coughs> At the Blue um, Box
1: podcast. Yeah. Hey, but Mark, yeah. I think we all
2: do that, and that and I yeah. think that's his point, isn't but, it? But yeah. even the stuff I don't like, I'd still rather watch than most other telly. Oh, so, yeah, exactly. I, And that's what I love about it. You know, What I can sit down and have a pint with someone, and they can wax lyrical about Time and the Rani, and I quite happily will um, go with their sort of thoughts on it and allow them to enjoy it and not try and put them down for it.
1: Yeah, you do though. I... You do rib them, Mark. No, <laughs> after four or five pints, you will definitely rib them. But it's it's all after four good... or five
2: pints, they will be on the floor. <laughs>
1: it's all all done in good, you know, bit bit of a laugh, isn't it? Yeah, we have just been to a stag night for goodness sake up in Wales <laughs> with a whole bunch of <laughs> Doctor Who fans getting rather drunk, um, and that was really quite eye opening actually. And uh, yeah, we had a right laugh at having a go at each other's favourites and worst episodes, and mm. it was just you know we were just laughing isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: The thing is, I can understand that people disagree with my opinions, but I just can't understand why they do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sush JR. (laughs) Sush JR, you're wrong. (laughs) Uh, All right. Um, Oh, it's Al No. Hey, Al No. Dear and the boys in JR, I've just finished listening to your Web of Fear review, which was a lot more experimental than I expected. (laughs) The flashback format was refreshing, almost brave. Do you remember why? Yeah,
2: because we recorded it before. We recorded it before we did the missing episodes
0: episode and said in two weeks we'll have a missing episodes episode.
2: (laughs) Yeah, timey-wimey.
0: Anyway, Al says, naturally, that's not why I'm writing. I thought that the previous week's flash-forward episode, where you picked your way through the missing episode minefield, was particularly thrill-making. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've totally ruined the wallpaper now, and the council have insisted on installing a noise limiter. Basically, if I become overstimulated, all the lights go out and the frigid frosts. <laughs> the bit after you read out my letter wasn't bad either. Oh. Well, Oh, there's an asterisk there, and then, oh, down at the bottom it says, This joke, the property of Mr. B. Brush Esquire, copyright renewed 1974. <laughs> if found, please return to Mr. Roy, care of BBC TV oh, London.
2: Mr.
1: Roy. Boom, uh, boom. I love that. Oh.
0: Words. Anyway, uh, he signed off Rise and Reverberate. Either of you two know what that meant? No. Um, No, it sounds a bit rude. It's a reference to the Sisters of Mercy. Oh. oh! I
1: do know it. Yeah. It's in the back of my head somewhere. Yeah. If that's what it is. Oh, yes, it is.
0: <laughs> um. Oh, we heard from Matt Barber.
1: Yes, hello, Matt. The
0: Matt Barber. He says, in... Yes, the Matt Barber. The Matt Barber. Hmm. He says, in my moderately hungover state, I was listening to your analysis of the War Games. That's and the best way life. to listen to
2: this show. Mm-hmm. It's the only way.
0: And your light criticism that the story fails to do something interesting with the concept of regeneration—you suggest that it was Barry Letts who ultimately created the idea of regeneration for pro- future producers to run with—and this is true. However, one possible explanation why Sherwin, uh, t- oh, hang on, there's a typo there. So, one possible explanation why Sherman, uh, Sherwin didn't tackle the issue like Letts did is the fact that the series was not guaranteed a return. Ah yes, of course. By closing the Troughton years as he did, Sherwin offered a potential end to the entire series, not just a potential way forward for a new character. The Doctor is the Doctor is exiled to Earth, his appearance changed by force. Imagine what would happen if the series had been cancelled at this point. The Doctor could be anyone, <coughs> living among us, living among us effectively as a normal human being. His adventures ended. I think Sherwin and Dix's approach neatly offered a solution to two different futures, the series cancelled or the series continues. By the time Let's comes up with a definitive regeneration, the series' future is assured, so it becomes more an issue of how to keep it going. And that's my view. Having said all that, I still prefer The Invasion, though I don't think I'm one of your Season 7 fans. I just think The Invasion gave Troughton more opportunities to be the Troughton Doctor, though every time I rewatch the War Games, it seems to get better. P.S. Not having any of my reference guides with me in Exeter, I'm not sure when Season 7 was commissioned. Pertwee obviously hadn't been cast, as he doesn't appear in the War Games. If the next season was confirmed before the War Games was written, then my above suggestion is slightly blundered. Although I think it would still hold a purpose, kernel now, of truth. No, that was the other email I was talking about <laughs> yeah. when I said, "Right, I've really got to look this up now." Mm-hmm.
2: And there it is. But still, that's a very interesting idea, isn't it? Matt always comes out with very interesting uh, yeah. thoughts on these sorts of things. The chapter. idea
0: that the series ends up with a Doctor, we don't know what face he's got, yeah. but he's permanently on Earth and he could be anybody. That would have been an amazing end to the mm. series.
1: It would have been, <laughs> <interesting>, yeah.
0: <clears throat> Mind you, they'd have had to emphasise the end of the war game slightly differently to make that clearer, wouldn't they?
2: Yeah, yeah. it's a bit abstract with the whole sort of uh, kaleidoscope headless Troughton thingy. But nevertheless, what a... Fantastic and interesting idea. What
1: yeah. description I've got another from Mark,
0: huge then. I've got another huge email from Matt. I'll leave that for a second. And actually, I've just done a timey-wimey on Matt as well, because I've just read out his second email in advance of his first. Well, wow, my head hurts. But anyway, Richard Hogarth says, Hey guys, loving the podcast. I recently watched the Paul McGann video of his BFI Q&A, and with your podcast about JNT, my mind got working, and I wanted to this is Richard. That's so self-deprecating. Is he saying the rest of his time his mind's not working? <laughs> anyway, he says, My mind got working, and I wanted to ask you what you thought. If JT and t and Philip with Fox and Universal hadn't made the mistakes they made on the show, and it hadn't declined the way it did, would the show be as good as it was at season 50, or would you prefer it as it is? I personally think that while they made some drastic missteps, I love the show the way it is now and how Russell brought it back, and even some of Stephen Moffat's ideas. While the show will have dips, I love the fact that it can come back stronger than ever. The premise will outlive the actors, directors, and writers on the show. Well, there you go, Mark and Lee. If Doctor Who had stayed on, you know, had run consecutively every year between 1963 and now, Mm. Well, okay, two things. Do we think it'd be the same show? And if it weren't the same show, and it was something more like, still more like the classic series,
2: do we think we would have preferred it as it is now?
1: Hurdle. Well, I'd,
2: I'd heard all sorts of weird rumours. I don't know if this is based in any sort of fact or whether it was just sort of fans coming up with speculation, but I'd, I'd heard talk of them, if it had been successful bringing back other Doctors for their own stories in the season, if they actually made a full season of it. I'm not sure quite how well that would have really worked. The TV movie? Yeah.
0: Bringing back other Doctors for... Yeah, so
2: if if the TV movie had worked as a springboard to launch a series, they were talking about bringing back the older Doctors for sort of special episodes, if you like of their own for a continuing series. So Paul McGann would have done three out of every four, and then it would have been Tom Baker and Peter Davison. Yeah, and so something bizarre like that. What a I'm, mad idea. Yeah. I, mm. no, I don't think I'm I quite work. happy of the way things worked out. The, the Wilderness Years was horrible in one respect, although we did get some great books and audios and things like that. So <laughs> it, that was great. But I don't think I would swap that... Um, for, you know, what we've got now. I think, as Richard pointed out, I think it came back really strongly with Russell and I think Stephen (coughs) Moffat has got his own take on it, which tends Mm. to divide people, but that's always the way. I
1: mean, Russell T. Davis had to prove a point. He had had to really prove to the world that this was something that everybody wanted to see again. Um, So he pulled out all the stops and, you know, he did a really, really good job because it's still working. But I think the thing is, the... Series always kind of echoed the stuff around it as well. So in the 80s, it looks very 80s, so does 80s TV look very 80s, um, and 70s is the same thing. So when you get to the 90s and you're getting into like the X Files and uh, all the other kind of 90s stuff people with suits, people trying to be dark and a bit more uh, clever and a little bit more comic book I mean, you look at the Dark Dimensions idea uh, that didn't happen in 1993. You know, you've got this uh, skeletal looking um, Cyberman that's really, really dark. And, you know, at the time, you're going kind to of think, like, yeah, that's cool, that's that's great. But would it have actually been that great? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get to 1996 and you see that it does echo that kind of X Files feel. Uh, you get to 2005 and it echoes the kind of soap operas and other bits and pieces that Russell T. Davis was working on and the TV around it. It does echo what's what's around it. So it probably would have survived it would have worked and yeah it would have just carried on it would have, probably would have been fine it would have had dips and troughs yeah. and, and let's face
2: it now if the show hadn't gone away we wouldn't have had dimensions in time
1: oh for god's sake Do you know what, uh I, I hate that's like a blemish that is to me i, I remember watching it and just <laughs> almost kicking in my tv screen uh so angry <laughs> no you know Null's house party <laughs> The <laughs> Radio Times came
0: out today, didn't it? Yeah. I have seen so many people complaining about the fact that they've used the dimensions in time mm. pictures of the Tom Baker yeah. through to oh, Sylvester McCoy doctors. Goodness
1: yeah. sake. What's the
2: matter? But with do you them? know
1: why? No. <laughs> because The Radio
0: Times have exclusively used photographs from Radio Times cover shoots. Yeah. And Tom Baker through to Sylvester McCoy didn't do Radio Times cover shoots.
1: Until so dimensions in time, oh, I see, right, yeah. Mm.
0: So that's why they've used those pictures.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, you know that 3D uh, business uh, with those big stupid glasses. I mean, there's nothing. 3D there. that will never take off, will it? What, <laughs> what was the? Th- what was? They so, won't do that again. What was so brilliantly 3D? <laughs> uh, there was nothing, was there? I don't think. No, even Colin Burger. I don't didn't. know. Colin Stop Baker.
0: bitching, Lee. We're here to celebrate. <laughs> yeah,
1: not... <laughs> Dimensions isn't time though. Who brought That's my it up? fault I started him off. Move on, quick, <clears clears throat> move on. Happy. happy Have things. we
0: mentioned Patrick Trouton yet? Yeah. Oh,
1: calm Blue Oceans. <laughs>
0: How can I we don't not know if mention we've mentioned him by Chandler. I don't know if we've mentioned him by name.
1: Oh, Pat Trouton, look at what we've got this year, what a lovely gift that came. That was the
0: cover oh, of the Radio Times I got. Fantastic. Was it? Did anybody else buy Radio Times today?
2: My wife picked up the David Tennant one, strangely enough. David Tennant, mm. right. Oh Hang on a minute, so I've you're telling me the... there are
1: 12, they're going to be 12 covers, are there?
2: Yeah. 12 covers.
1: Oh, swines. I'm going to be really <laughs> poor now.
2: I can't find a, an issue of Doctor Who magazine for love or money at the moment. I'm desperate. Don't worry, just go and buy Starburst. It's in Tesco's now.
1: Uh, you know, it's I've bigger, Mark. You might be looking in the wrong place. Ah.
0: Uh, it's in this huge, great, whacking, great um, sleeve envelope thing. Oh, blimey. Yeah, because it's got, well, it's got, I was going to say, it's got two magazines. It's got Mm. like a magazine and a little bitty magazine and some art cards in there.
2: Mm. Ooh. I'll have to keep looking. Go search. Ah,
0: so, uh, have we mentioned Christopher Eccleston yet? We have, haven't we? We haven't mentioned
1: Peter Davison yet.
2: Oh, we have now. There you are. Um, Let's do some panting acting. (laughs) (laughs) There you go.
1: He was—he's uh, good. I like Peter Davison. I like Peter Davison uh, on commentaries as well. He does a really good job. He at, is brilliant And taking the and rise, you know but also when he
0: was yeah, playing the—you uh, know, when he was playing the Piero character in Black Orchid with no dialogue. Yeah, mm. that was that character's name was pantomime. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was it really? <laughs> uh, you were making it up. Aren't you? <sighs> <laughs> I'm here all night, folks. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) I can't see his face. That's why I'm believing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good job you can't see my face. Uh, Dear J.R., Mark, Simon and Lee, Mr. and Mrs. Blue Box and their boys.
2: (laughs) Oh, That's an unpleasant thought, being Mrs. Southall. No offence to Mrs. Southall, obviously.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just caught up with episode 80 and wanted to drop you a note on a couple of things. First up, I don't know the classic series as well as I'd like to. I was born in 1979, and my memory of 80s episodes is patchy at best. I blame the addictive properties of West Wing box sets for not getting around to properly catching up with the history of a programme that I love dearly. However, I've been inspired by the love and passion you all bring to this to go back and watch whatever episodes I can get my hands on. Yeah, good man. This is David Carrington. At the moment, I'm going through serials that have been made available by a certain chaste and innocent cable TV and broadband provider. Do you know who he means by chaste? BT? Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) Watching Genesis of the Daleks, City of Death, The Two Doctors, and Planet of the Daleks in the last fortnight. I'm not sure I'd have made the effort to do this without the prompting that your enthusiasm... Enthusiasm? Enthusiasm? (laughs) Enthusiasm and desire... you got something... an
2: Australian on us there, JR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, Lord. When you listen to some... What's a behemoth? Does he mean behemoth? Yeah, that's right. That's one of my favourite ones from podcasts. No. Behemoth. <laughs> around the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I tell you what, Mark, on your own podcast... I say behemoth. Yeah, because you listen to American podcasts. It's oh. behemoth,
1: Mark. Oh, well. <laughs> tomato, pa- tomato. It's pavement, okay? Not sidewalk.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he says... David Carrington says, I'm not sure I'd have made the effort to do this without the prompting that your enthusiasm and desire to find something positive in everything has given me. So thank you very much for that. Which brings me to my second point. Simon's rant, and Simon's not here so he can't answer back on this, at people picking holes in the Save the Day trailer and general pockets of moaning about the 50th anniversary. Actually, Simon doesn't need to answer that, does he? Not really. Thank you, Simon. You perfectly express something that's been on my mind since I picked up on the Anti-Moth Brigade hidden amongst fans. You are absolutely spot on in what you said. There are people running the show that may not do everything absolutely as everyone wants all the time, but they are people who clearly love the richness of the show that they work on, and that trailer displayed their love for everyone to see. What's not to like in that? I was walking up South End High Street with my headphones in, as I heard you say that, and got a slightly threatening look from a shaven-headed Essex man when I let out a damn right in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, Despite the praise... What are you, I social did... workers? <laughs> South End, isn't it, mate? Oh, dear. That's McCoy uh, covered. Despite the praise, I did want to call JR on a little patch of hypocrisy in episode 80 when he agreed with someone. Ooh, come on. taking When he agreed with someone, JR taking agreed issue. with someone, what? You know, yeah, that's not what the hypocrisy is, Mark. Wait till we <laughs> finish
2: this damn sentence.
0: I only agreed with somebody if they'd agree with me. When he agreed with someone taking issue with referring to the 10th and 11th doctors as 10 and 11, your episode titles use the latter names for doctors when you've <laughs> examined different tenures in detail. <laughs> so, physician, heal thyself.
2: <laughs> and how do you respond to that, JR? Ah,
0: oh, well, I did mention this. Because we used one-word titles for our first year, and in our second year we're using two-word titles... And in our third year, we shall use three-word titles mm. for the episodes of the Blue Box podcast. Mm. So, when we did any of the doctors during that first year, and we only had a single word to go with, we went with one and six and ten.
2: Or you could have gone first. First, fifth, and <laughs> tenth. tenth, yeah. Colin. Could Dave. have done... And
0: you know what? After we did the first one, I wish we had. But you know what? The first one was the fifth Doctor in episode five of the podcast. So I wanted to call the episode five as a kind of little inside joke. with myself. Yeah, that's right. And thereafter, it. we were stuck with it. Mm. So that's the reason why that
2: happened. Hoist by your own petard.
0: Anyway, David Carrington just carries on. I can't wait to hear you all talk about Night of the Doctor, which I've watched several times since it was released yesterday. It's, this is yesterday at the time of writing, it sets up everything perfectly for next week and dangles a fair few questions and possibilities for the programme as a whole. One point I thought interesting was the sisters referring to regeneration as Time Lord Science, not Time Lord Physiology. Mm-hmm. To my overexcited little brain, that suggests that the limit on regenerations could be self-imposed by Time Lord society and not a part of their biological makeup. Plainly, because he's just
1: drunk a whole load of potion and regenerated into an extra doctor.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, I do think you're right that the 13 lives limit will play a big part in the Capaldi Doctor's story, especially as there seem to be a lot of potential escape routes being peppered through recent stories by that bloke you keep stored in his box. Hmm. Anyway, I'd better go, but thanks again for the show. And that's David Carrington. He yeah,
1: does makes make some very good points. He does, and there's uh, yes. a whole load of potions there, including male and female. You know, when he, mm. when they mentioned the the woman, do you want to be a woman? So sort of, mm. I thing? I was thinking, well, well, there you are then. Uh, it's in. <laughs> it's easy. Well, you can only
0: be turned into a woman if you drink a potion in order to make it happen, maybe.
1: Yeah, maybe. Of course, there was supposed to be somebody who did, like, necking it a bit, wasn't he? Well, there you are then. Maybe he was poisoned with special... Sisters of Khan Potion. Or well, cup of soup with brandy in it. Uh Doc Hume says
0: Gentlemen, the Verity Podcaster's putative army of flying monkeys was not a reference to their leadership. Listenership. Leadership.
2: Jay, <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> um, yeah, I I uh, just want to retract that statement.
0: What about, about about the leadership yeah. of the Verity Podcasters? No, I think we should let it fly. <laughs> flying monkeys. Hey. I can't even actually
2: remember the email that Doc Hume wrote in where he mentioned it, can you? Um no, I'm not sure. I spoke to Deb Stanish the other day, she's a lovely lady. So there
0: Right. Anyway, he says the flying monkeys would be their familiars, the back room boys are the Verity Podcast, who fly hither and yon across the land enforcing their mistress's dread will. The <laughs> listenership are more in the role of the huddled masses of Emerald City, gazing fearfully into the skies as the podcasters sky their threats on Broomstick. Every podcast has its backroom boys, though the equivalent at Blue Box Podcasting HQ seems to be always girls. Girlfriends tutting contemptuously from the next room. Wives examining action figures of Amy Pond and asking, mm. how much did you spend on this? And fiancés who never learned to read a calendar.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so in the speech. Mm.
0: A says, J.R. finally snapped the delicate thread which still kept him tied to Mother Earth when he said that the regeneration from the second to the third doctors was a quick fix band-aid over something that needs stitches. It is in fact a quick fix bloody sticking plaster, not a band-aid. Is JR trying to break into the American market? <laughs> and that's from Doc Hume, who signs himself a.k.a. Castellan Spandex, Chancellor Flavorsome, and Coordinator <laughs> Engelbert. Uh, nice. This man's got more names than the fourth Doctor <clears throat> had personalities.
1: Or colours in his scarf.
0: And um, we're getting to the end. We've got one more from Matt Barber and one more from Al No. Before we do, though, is there anything else that's happened this week that we've not touched on? Because, I mean, so much has been happening this week. It's been a bit of a whirlwind, is not it? Yeah. But we're two days away now. or we Not two days. Four days away
2: from the anniversary special. Um, four extra have been running some uh, Big Finish plays uh, That were already available via Big Finish
0: Yeah but I'm talking you new heard stuff al- Mark If you
2: haven't heard them already it's a good way of checking them out isn't it
0: Well it would have been if this podcast had come out Before they started running them BBC
2: iPlayer this- my friend That's the future Oh I see can yeah, you get this stuff on see? iPlayer Yeah well done <clears>
1: Oh you can What's out there Mark
0: mm. well, I didn't know you could get everything on iPlayer I thought it was only selective stuff
2: Oh no well, you can get everything. I've been listening to them myself. Yeah, uh, they've had a Sylvester McCoy one called uh, Protect and Survive. And mm. also I think the one they're currently doing as we record is a Peter Davison one uh, mm. called... Oh, what's it called? Fanfare for the Common Men. Right.
1: Oh, oh. that's the Beatles one. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't Uh, appeal to me. Next week
2: on the (laughs) Big Finish podcast. It
1: doesn't really appeal to me, That, but I think I'll give it a go. Listen, do you know what Mm. really annoyed me on that program last night that I was watching? This is the, what's it called again? The The Ultimate Ultimate Guide. That's it, The Ultimate Guide. The People saying that they love Peter Davidson. Oh,
0: well, that's a reference to the Doctor Who magazine cover when he was first introduced.
1: So many people. And they made
0: that. Infamous typo
2: Yeah yeah but, that, but that's
1: that's not in That's not knowing that That's just people
2: not That's all a bit redundant Because he's Peter Moffat anyway Isn't he so <laughs> Yeah Speaking of redundant things Mark I noticed <laughs> on the
0: Last edition of Nerdology Cheers mate That you've started saying Good stuff Have mm. you been watching Just a little bit Too much <laughs> pointless Very possibly I do like that programme And to that expression um, yeah, Good stuff It is good stuff Ego. we go back to the emails for Matt Barber. Ah, oh, because this is an interesting one as well. Dear Blue Box Podcast, I'm currently in the process of catching up on your excellent podcast, choosing episodes in a pick-and-mix way, distracted only when my postman insists on delivering bills instead of books or DVDs. The swines. Oh yeah, but you know why he made that point in particular? Because you're his postman. That's right. He says, I've just finished listening to your review of Web of Fear, and despite the fact that your review was extremely positive, I still feel the need to defend aspects of the story. For example, the general impression I got from your review was that you felt the story had a great sense of atmosphere and style, but was lacking in narrative and story structure. Conversely, when I watched it, I was struck by particular nuances of the plot. The recovery of the episodes has made it clear that not only is Webb a frightening story, one that scared the willies out of a generation of children, but it's also a sophisticated conspiracy thriller. Throughout the story, all the characters are suspect, and all the characters are given moments to be suspected. Even Patrick Troughton's week-long absence is twisted into a mystery, but one that's only expressed through certain aspects of performances. Oh yeah, sorry, I almost lost my line there. But one that's only expressed through certain aspects of performances. This, I think, is the narrative drive that ties the looser elements, the running from one location to another, and the expository dialogue together. It's also a possible excuse for some of the characterization in the story, the big performance of Evans, for example, can be seen as a deliberate red herring, whilst the more reserved performances can equally be seen as creating an atmosphere of suspicion. Characters doing illogical things, as J.R. accused it of suffering from, is surely exactly what you need to make a conspiracy who done it work effectively. The brilliance of this narrative type is that it's told in a very layered way not only through the dialogue and plot but also through the performances and the visual framing of the scenes potentially it may be something that campfield expanded on and may not have been fully outlined in the script but it is a subtle aspect of the story that kept me absorbed So I wrote back to him and told him he was talking crap and that (laughs) most of the people who were under suspicion as being agents of the Great Intelligence weren't actually introduced into the story until after it was pointed out that somebody in the cast was working as an agent of the Great Intelligence. Uh, And he wrote back to me and said... I always thought of the great intelligence as a mobile possessor capable of moving between characters and controlling them, a bit like the demon in the Denzel Washington movie Fallen. That's a great this would,
2: film. It is a
0: very, very good film. This would mean that everyone could be under suspicion regardless of when they turned up, including even Victoria, for example. This may not be supported in the story or in the previous appearance of the great intelligence, though. It may just be something that stuck in my mind. I do agree that the script isn't the greatest, although illogical character motivations isn't an unusual thing in Doctor Who, and that when considering the pacing, and more of a crime, the dodgy politics of the Dominators, the pairing of Lincoln and Hazeman isn't a guarantee of a good story. Anyway, I love both of the Return stories, and I think they hold together better than Tomb did. I was expecting a positive re-evaluation of Enemy of the World, but whilst I enjoyed that story, when I finished watching them both, it was Webb that tempted me into a second viewing. Lots of love, Matt.
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, Enemy of the World for me, actually, but I have gone back to watch Webb again and uh, have been equally impressed with it. I love those
2: missing episodes so much.
1: Oh... Thank you. You gotta
2: love Evans, haven't you? I mean, Thank you. It's worth watching Web just for Evans.
1: Well, Evans, oh yeah, Evans does get a little, little annoying after all. No, you like, you like he's Evans, awesome. don't you? No, I don't yeah. know. I think, I think it's his over, overacting face that's going on. That's, that's little, why I like him. You like him, do you? Yeah. do you, do you model North Do you model yourself on him? Is that how
2: you would serve a customer? Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen a photograph of me, you will know that's true. <laughs>
0: We got one more email. Shall we do it and then get out of it because no. we've been on long yes. enough, haven't we? Yeah, on.
2: Um,
0: oh, we've not mentioned Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing.
2: Oh, he's not canon,
0: though, is he? Ooh. Uh I think that's it, though, isn't it? Dear, and the boys and Jr. I've just finished off the season six podcast. Thanks for reading out my letters. I've only just recovered and finished the washing up. Unfortunately, the noise limit is still in place, so I listen to a fair bit of the podcast in the dark, occasionally being hit by stray chunks of dusty plaster. <clears throat> I should perhaps explain the baffling reference to Promethea. Is that have I pronounced it correctly? Promethea. Written by Alan Moore. Promethea, yes, of course. Promethea was a lecture disguised as a comic, in which issue six the title character ends up fighting a world being written by the writer who also created her, having lost the plot a little way along due to all the due to all that linguistic power. Words make the world. I'm being vague, but it's definitely in the same key as the Mind Robber. To stretch the music analogy until it twangs.
2: Cool.
0: I was going. <clears throat> Where was that? An Alan Moore comic, Promethea. I don't know her.
1: Mm, I mean, yeah, yeah, know. yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, he says, I was going to say something about the way Alan Moore's nearly anonymous backup comic strips in early Doctor Who comic had such a knock-on effect that the whole path of the Doctor's life was affected, but I won't. Just kidding, it's in the post. I'd better confirm that I was being serious about the chase and the mind robber being some of the most important pieces of television in the history of the medium and then trail off disappointingly. Still, that adventure disguised as a lecture, the science of Doctor Who was interesting. Doctor Who meets scientific man, as the target book will be called. (laughs) The lights have just come back on, so I'd better dash. Yours metatextually, Al. Or is it? Asterisk. It is. Thank you, Al. As baffling as ever.
2: (laughs) But thoroughly entertaining.
0: Absolutely right. Um, Well, I guess that's the end of our birthday episode.
1: Uh, Blow the candles out, then, Joe.
0: You're not our birthday. Doctor Who's birthday. No, blow blow the
1: candles out.
0: We'll have a separate birthday episode of our own in which none of us appear sometime (laughs) next year.
1: Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we probably were. We're place with different breeds of dog.
0: You won't let me. You won't let me get past the fact that I didn't celebrate our fiftieth episode, will you? <laughs> yeah. I just didn't see fifty as a landmark.
2: Are you, are you thinking about a yeah, thousand, fifty? Isn't... Yeah, who bothers about fifty? You you th- you for the th- thousandth.
0: Well, yeah, but in podcasting terms, that was less than a year. No, what kind of a right. landmark is that? You're right.
1: You're right. What's the landmark going to be then, where we're all together?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Five hundred.
1: Alright, that's yeah, that sounds good. That's the landmark to hit. No,
0: I don't I suppose one hundred is a landmark for a podcast.
1: That's not bad. That's pretty good. How many years or months would that be of casting?
0: Well that would be two years. It's still not that long, is it? Yeah. Frankly. Yeah, Mr. You know, if, you, if you start doing a podcast you must surely at least be intending to be going for a few years, right? So you shouldn't start celebrating landmarks until the landmarks become something to celebrate. Something that you didn't necessarily expect to get to. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> How about 10 years so I then? Think... We do 10 years, 20, 25, 30, 40, and
0: 50. Well I don't know. 250 episodes is about 5 Ooh, years. That's good. That seems to me like the first major podcasting landmark, right? Tell
2: you what, this is thrilling listening. <laughs> really enjoying
0: it. Have we not said goodbye yet? <laughs>
1: no, it's still recording.
2: Oh,
0: dear. Um, well, I've got to thank you.
2: Oh, thanks, mate.
0: Not for you. Oh. You three have been rubbish, and it's been a oh. real struggle doing this <laughs> podcast with you. Yeah. I would like to thank everybody who's ever downloaded and listened to our podcast. Here,
2: here,
0: here. here. <laughs> Hang on. Now I'm doing the Blue Box birthday podcast. This is the Doctor Who birthday is. podcast, want, isn't it? Oh, that's just gone totally tits up. Forget that. Forget that I thanked anybody. Because it
2: was going so well up until then.
0: <laughs> I think we ought to just get out of it, didn't we? <laughs> right, Next you. week, without doubt, we'll be talking about uh, an adventure in space and time. Yes. Am I getting it the right way around now? Yes. And the Day of the Doctor.
1: Of course. That's what we'll be
0: talking about next time. Squee! Until then, I was JR.
2: I was Lee. And I was Mark.
0: And we will speak again soon.